Welcome to another edition of Revealing the Diamond. I'm your host, Tiago Prem. Today we continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount. This is part three, and today is very important because we're going to talk about mercy, and I believe that mercy is the most important medicine for these times that we're living in right now. So today on the episode, mercy and living a life that is pure in heart or pure at heart. It's going to be a great episode. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get into it. So before we start the show, I just want to say thank you to our sponsor, Minds Dye. Minds Dye makes custom-dyed, hand-dyed fabrics and anything you want. I mean, I guess that's what custom means. You can get kimonos, t-shirts, bed sheets, pillowcases, you name it, she can do it. She's very talented. The pieces are elegant. Each one is unique. So if you're interested in that, which I know I am, I'm working on getting a full jumpsuit, maybe in multiple colors. I think that would be a great thing to represent down here in Mexico where I'm at. Uh, you can check her out on Instagram at MindsDye or go to her Etsy store MindsDye and get yourself a custom piece today. All right, everybody. Hope you're doing well. We're into March, you know, 2022. Interesting times. And I, for one, am so grateful to be able to meet every week and do this. Uh, we've been working on doing the two episodes a week when I was uh, in another city and I had much faster internet. Um, and that's coming soon, so stay tuned for that. But for now, we're just going to stick to the one release for the next couple weeks, and then I'll get back into the two weeks. I hope you're enjoying the episodes. As I mentioned in the intro, today we're going to talk about that third part of the Sermon on the Mount series. Uh, somebody asked me recently, you know, like, is it relevant to talk about Sermon on the Mount? You know, you really teach a lot about yoga, meditation, philosophy, recovery. And in my personal opinion, yes, this uh, sermon that was given by Yeshua, by Jesus, a long, long time ago, the essence of what is being shared, I think, is so important for what's going on in the world with the pandemic, with wars, with the divisiveness that happens on social media. I just think that these teachings are as relevant today as they were in the times of Jesus, and I want to share them with you. You don't have to be a Christian. You could be a believer. You could not be a believer, a yogi. You could be a non-religious humanist. You could be an atheist. It doesn't really matter. I think the essence of these teachings are essential for this time, and that's why I wanted to share in, in this series with you. So today we're going to talk about mercy and being pure in heart. It's going to be a great episode. Uh, I do want to remind you that I have the Quick Fix 6 course available if you want to get deeper into yoga practice. You can find that at tiagaprem.com. Um, if you love the podcast, please give us a five-star rating and review us on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. You can watch the episodes. Go to our YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash Revealing the Diamond with Tiago Prem. Um, we're going to have in-person gatherings down here in San Pancho, Mexico coming soon. I'll be teaching Dharma Yoga. I'll be sharing meditation, psychic development, philosophy, and also opportunities for training. So stay tuned for all of that. It's available. All information is available at tiagaprem.com. If there's something you'd like to see more of from me personally, you can always send me an email at tiagaprem at tiagaprem.com, and I take all of your input uh, to heart. It really means a lot to me. I've heard a lot from people. Actually, I had several emails over the last little while or voice notes from people just saying that 
They're so grateful for the work that I've been sharing as of late, especially around forgiveness. It's really been helping them. So uh, thank you, everybody who's reached out uh, in those areas. And as far as the yoga, people are, have said they want to practice more yoga with me. Well, I've been doing sadhana every day up here on this rooftop where you see me now and getting deeper into the practices. I've been in contact with a lot of my Dharma yoga family spread out all over the world and just getting back into um, an, a steady asana practice and ready to share again. Um, it's been two years of trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. And um, this I have experienced a rebirth and you, you know, from listening to the podcast, I've experienced this re rebirth and now I'm ready to uh, step back into teaching and sharing. And I'm really excited about that. So stay tuned for more on that. You can find out anything you want to know at tiagaprem.com. That's where you go, right? You could tell tiagaprem.com if you want any updates, that kind of thing. Before we... Before we dive into the episode, I also want to let you know that you can join the Reveal Living Room. It's free of charge. It's a space like say, I don't really want to be on Instagram all the time, and but I do want to you know, engage with conscious content and be in community. Reveal Living Room. It's a great app on Circle. I'll put the uh, link in the show notes. All you do is click there, and I've been doing a, a fast for Lent over the next 40 days, and every couple days I've been posting updates on there. Uh, the community is engaging and exchanging thoughts and that kind of thing. So if you would like to be a part of our community, free of any charge, you know, just show up and, and participate, read the posts, that kind of thing. Uh, you can do that. I'll put the link in the show notes um, to join the Reveal Living Room. You can also uh, check out my articles on Medium, and there's new meditations coming out all the time on Insight Timer. You just look up Tiago Prem on there. So lots of, lots of content to dive into, lots of practices to dive into, but uh, I would definitely recommend to stay in tune with what we're doing. Keep listening to the podcast, number one. Get yourself subscribed to tiagoprem.com, join the newsletter, start checking out the website, and then become an active member of the Reveal Living Room, which you can just look in the show notes, click that, and join us today. All right, so we're going to get into this week. We're doing part three of the Sermon on the Mount, and we're talking about mercy and being pure in heart. This is going to be a great episode, and I'm glad that you joined me. I'm just going to uh, look at my notes here because I wanted to share the song lyrics to one of my favorite songs by one of my favorite songwriters ever. Her name is Mary Gauthier. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes, whether you're listening on iTunes or Spotify or you're watching on YouTube. I'll put a link to the song so that you can check that out. And also, in case you didn't know, I make a lot of playlists and I put them up on my Tiago Prem uh, Spotify. So you can go there and you can listen. I've got six volumes of gospel music episodes. I'm working on a Bhakti episode that's going to have, um, I'm saying episode, but I mean like mixtape. <laughs> I'm dating myself, right? Mixtape playlist. Um, I like mixtape better. Let's stick with that. I've got six volumes of mixtapes of uh, devotional music right now you can listen to. I'm working on a Bhakti one, which will have music from different traditions that I've had the opportunity to study in my life. And then I'll also put some songs about mercy and forgiveness on there so, so you can dip uh, your ears and your hearts and your minds into this healing uh, sound medicine. So 
it'll all be there. You just click the link. And as you know from the previous episode, I am uh, recording in Mexico, so you may hear lots of background uh, noise and music and birds and dogs and all those things. So it's just part of the experience. Imagine that you're here with me in San Pancho, Mexico. Okay, so let's take a, a look at these lyrics. I think these are really potent and powerful lyrics today, and I want to read through it. If you want to get access to these lyrics, you can also check out on tiagoprem.com. Just go to the journal section, and you can read these, or uh, subscribe to my medium, medium.com, and uh, you can get also the journal articles there. So this is uh, by Mary Goche. The song is called Mercy Now. My father could use a little mercy now. The fruits of his labor fall and rot slowly on the ground. His work is almost over. It won't be long, and he won't be around. I love my father, and he could use some mercy now. My brother could use a little mercy now. He's a stranger to freedom. He's shackled to his fears and his doubts. The pain that he lives in is almost more than living will allow. I love my brother, and he could use some mercy now. My church and my country could use a little mercy now as they sink into a poison pit that's going to take forever to climb out. They carry the weight of the faithful who follow them down. I love my church and country, and they could use some mercy now. Every living thing could use a little mercy now. Only the hand of grace can end the race towards another mushroom cloud. People in power, well, they'll do anything to keep their crown. I love life, and life itself could use some mercy now. Yeah, we all could use a little mercy now. I know we don't deserve it, but we need it anyhow. We hang in the balance, dangle between hell and hallowed ground, and every single one of us could use some mercy now. Powerful. And I definitely encourage you to uh, check out that song by Mary Goche wherever you listen to music, and I will post a link for you uh, so you can check it out wherever you are. So <clears throat> I think this is one of the most precise descriptions of what mercy is, you know, and, and I love that she's talking about some of the masculine energy in her life, about, you know, the world has changed so much for her father and her brother is uh, really broken and also, you know, any kind of patriotism or connection to religious organizations how she says she loves the essence of what's being offered but it's uh, become corrupt and manipulative and exploitative i think that's a word um but it's not about shaming it's about mercy mercy and forgiveness and and, and how the hand of grace is what will end the race towards destruction and it's so true, and that is the essence of these teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. And, and, and that's why I was mentioning at the start of the show why mercy is so essential during this time. You hardly hear about it. 
right? You, you hear a lot about people being right and people being wrong and blame and finger pointing and, and manipulation and all of this stuff. But what about mercy? I mean, we don't really hear about that in the legacy media. Um, I, I see people in, under pressure all around me who are reactive to situations. They don't take a moment and pause. They just strike. And it's really harmful uh, for everybody. And we all need to bring that mercy frequency into our world. Otherwise, more of the same pain and suffering. And it just the technology maybe changes, the outfits, the style of dress maybe changes, the language that we speak maybe changes, but we end up dealing with the same problems over and over and over and over. That's the karmic conditioning, the samsara. So very important stuff here that we're going to cover today, and uh, I'm looking forward to diving into it. Mercy is a love beyond logic uh, that we've spoken about in the previous two sessions. Love for the sake of love. Right? Love for the sake of love. Not because, you know, they're your family or not because they ticked all the boxes or you had some kind of business exchange, but love for the sake of love. Seeking to uh, see the good in others even if they don't deserve it logically. Uh, the forgiveness that we all need to participate in because we have all been the perpetrator and we've all been the victim. Everybody <laughs> has harmed others and everybody has been harmed. And we need to be conscious of that rather than uh, fall into this sort of martyr. Uh, there's a great episode, by the way, um, of Erwin McManus, a, a teacher who I admire, where he talks about these six different aspects of personality. I'll also link that in the show notes if you want to listen to that episode. It's very good. Uh, it's a talk with Erwin McManus, a teacher that I love, and um, he's been a real influence in my life as of late. But he talks about these different aspects, like the martyr, and the martyr is this person who thinks that you know, everything always happens to them and they have to do everything. And, you know, a lot of blame can grow out of that. And then he talks about the hero is another one. And the hero thinks that, you know, they never do anything wrong. And that can lead to a lot of blame, especially if you get a martyr and a hero in the same uh, conversation. You know, I'm right, you're wrong. This is the nature of duality in the world that we live in. And, and blame in its most severe form is violence, right? So what do we do with blame so that we don't get to that severe form? Uh, we serve. We become the servant. Um, we practice actively mercy and being pure in heart. And it takes a lot of work, especially if we're prone to reactivity. And most of us are. You know, it's a... It's a natural, <clears throat> impulsive reaction. So we're going to talk about uh, forgiveness and mercy and being pure in heart. Um, mercy reveals that it's time to start over with an embrace. I know it's been hard for you, or I, I'm just at least try to see why it's hard for the other person. And it's very difficult in the moment. I mean, that's why we do practices like yoga and meditation and we listen to podcasts like revealing the diamond or we listen to Erwin mcmanus or our teachers like dharma mitra a teacher of mine and and we listen and we observe and we try to 
um, absorb the offerings that these great teachers share and then embody them in our own ways and learn from our, our mistakes. But in order for mercy to, to really be effective in our lives, it starts with the willingness to start over with an embrace. And, and that might take a while for us to get there. Some of our, <laughs> some of our relationships may require um, a lot of grit and determination to get even to a place where we could consider opening our hearts for a do-over uh, with someone. And, and remember, a do-over doesn't necessarily mean going back to the way things were, but it does mean um, creating space for healing to happen, and, and that can look different in every situation. It's time to cultivate the empathy of Jesus, of the Buddha, of the Divine Mother, the earth on which we live and are in relationship with, our bodies are made of. It's time to see ourselves in others and in doing so create the space for healing that I'm talking about today. Now, you may be thinking, as you listen to this, you may be thinking, yeah, that's uh, all fine and dandy, easy for you to say. Uh, you have no idea how hard my life has been. Uh, or you don't know what so-and-so has done to me. Or um, our pain is not the same. You might be ready to forgive Tiago Pram, but I'm not. And, you know, you're right. Our pain is not the same. Our experiences are not the same. We've had different experiences. And I don't know what it's like to be you, to experience the pain that you have. But hear me out for a minute. Have you ever hurt anybody in your life? Have you ever been forgiven by someone that you have hurt in your life, ever? Have you ever been forgiven? What did that forgiveness mean to you? What does it mean for you right now? How did it feel to be forgiven? Did it give you the courage, strength, resilience, capacity to at least try and do better or be better in your life? In my life, it has been the forgiveness shown to me that has supported me to cultivate the love, courage, strength, resilience to do better, to be better. And the kindness of another person has been the medicine to help me get sober, to be a present father, to be a male yoga teacher with integrity in the wellness field, and a long list of other qualities that I now embody that maybe I didn't before. Maybe I wanted to, like I wanted to be a better father. I wanted to be more in integrity as a yogi and as a teacher. I wanted to uh, be kind to all living beings. I had that intent. I, I never in my life had the intent to hurt other people purposefully. But I had a lot of uh, karmas. You know what I mean by karmas? Like life's conditionings. Like I was repeating things over and over that were causing harm or creating a negative outcome. And even though I didn't desire that, I, I desired for people around me to be happy, to be free. But because of my conditioning, I kept veering off course. That's addiction. And that's often why you've heard this if you've listened to me speak. That's often why I say, you know, recovery and spirituality is the same thing. Because recovery and spirituality is really about looking at the patterns, circles, and cycles of your life and noticing the conditioning that you have, the conditioning being what you're experiencing, but also what you're creating, because you're always at a, a play, creator and creation as one. You're always at play with, with God and nature and, and self and, 
and the people around you. You have interpersonal relationships and you have an intent, and but maybe the intent is buried underneath all of these conditions. So, you know, the way your parents talk to you, the way your culture talked to you, the way your belief system has been established by the environment that you grew up in, the habitual patterns that you have in communication, in emotional behavior, in spiritual uh, understanding, knowledge, and wisdom. All of these are part of your conditioning. So even though your intent may be, I would like to be happy and free, and I would like that for other beings, your conditionings may knock you off course. We call them samskaras and yoga. And then the more we repeat the conditioning, the more that becomes our reality. What you think about, you become. Okay, so I may have the intent for to be happy and free, for others to be happy and free, and I may have a lot of pain in my life, and so I keep choosing something that helps to uh, put a Band-Aid on the pain or distract the pain, like smoking a lot of cannabis. And then I keep smoking cannabis, smoking cannabis, smoke, and don't want to feel that, I'm smoking cannabis. And by the way, anything can be medicine, including cannabis. But I'm talking about the addictive behavior here. So I just keep pushing that outside, pushing that aside, and I'm no longer making my intent, which is all beings be happy and free, including myself and other beings. Now I'm going, I don't want to feel pain, so I'm taking this thing that stops me from feeling pain. And then I've lost my focus, and now it's like, how do I not feel pain? How do I not feel pain? How do I not feel pain? And then let's say, you know, while I'm focused on not feeling pain, uh, I'm finding it difficult to to find resources to pay for the um, cannabis to help me not feel pain. And then so maybe I start to steal because by any means necessary, I don't want to feel the pain. And then in stealing, I become manipulative with people around me. That underneath all of those conditionings is me going, I want them to be happy and free, but here I am caught up in these conditionings and that's addictive behavior. And the addictive behavior is not necessarily the cannabis because it doesn't have a physiological uh, addictive property to it but it's the conditioned behavior that becomes addictive i don't want that outcome underneath but yet the focus of my life has become how do i not feel pain or how do i fit in or how do i feel accepted or whatever it is and then i start to take on maybe some negative habits that don't get me where i underneath want to go but do get me where I've shifted my focus. I've become more uh, aligned with selfish desires, not the will of God or the will of the true self, the inner knower. And then I've become trapped in a loop and I can't get out of the loop. You know, I don't want this negative outcome, but I keep doing it, repeating it. It has a negative outcome. I don't want the negative outcome, but I keep doing it, repeating it. And if you do it long enough, the grooves become so deep that it's very difficult to get out of it. And how do you get out of it? Some kind of return to God. That means yoga. <laughs> return to God. Return to self. Awakening to who you are. Going back to that initial intention. Remembering who you are. 
And so you have some practices that help you do that. You listen to podcasts like this. You get up in the morning, you do a daily sadhana. You go to a recovery meeting. You sing songs. You paint. You... Uh, really focus on being more present as a parent. You learn about conscious parenting. Maybe you shift your diet. You know, you start to create these new routines that start to, by creating new grooves, new neural pathways, you start to create uh, new grooves for yourself that are more in alignment with your intention. That is recovery. That is spirituality. They are synonymous terms. Y'all with me? Okay. So in my life, it has been the forgiveness shown to me that has supported me to cultivate the love, courage, and strength, resilience to do better. The kindness of another person has been the medicine to help me get sober. It's an ingredient in the medicine to help me get sober. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've caused a lot of pain in people's lives while I was caught in my samskars, caught in my addictive behavior, caught in my... Uh, seeking pleasure and denying pain, right? The yoga teachings say, and this is in the teachings of Jesus, and all wisdom traditions, you see some variation of this, is that, you know, when we are in alignment with Creator, when we are connected to the inner knower, we're able to hold pain and pleasure in the same vessel because we recognize that these are part of life. There are so many blessings in life. There are also so many challenges in life. And can we develop the uh, resiliency, the capacity, the compassionate heart, the wise mind to hold both of these polarities in the same container? That's the sh central channel open, the kundalini, the opening, the awareness, the buddhi, the, in the intelligence. Okay? And in order for me to see that in myself, I had to see that in another person. And how did I see it in another person when I was deeply uh, shrouded by ignorance, right? Ignorance of self, ignorance of interpersonal relationship too, that we are the same self. Uh, I saw somebody else do it. I saw somebody else forgive me or forgive another person. I saw somebody else give me another chance. I saw somebody else really see me when I was in my shit. And by seeing and experiencing that and knowing what it feels like to be in the frequency of mercy is part of the medicine that allows me to do the work I do today. And it will be the same for you. That's why in recovery, you pay it forward. That's why being a part of a lineage is so important that you have a teacher, but not putting the teacher above you because that teacher also has flaws and pain and all of those things. But noticing, like just watching, observing, and seeing where these opportunities for forgiveness are. Where's the mercy being practiced? You with me? Okay. And I, I just thought of something as we're, we're really getting into it today. But I, I do want to uh, just pause for a moment and say, you know, I did mention at the start of the show that we're going to talk about blessed are the merciful and blessed are the pure in heart. But I want to read the two lines for you just so that we're uh, uh, on the same page here. So the first line is, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy, which is what we're talking about now, right? It's this uh, cycle. It becomes a cycle. Just like addiction becomes a cycle, mercy becomes a cycle. And just think about a cycle of mercy. What kind of healing can that do on the planet if we start to cultivate and create more opportunities for forgiveness, for a softening of the heart, for... Um, you know, just laying down the need to be right and showing up with a love beyond logic. 
okay, what kind of, you know, we know that the cycles of addiction can be destructive, but there's also medicine in that, or and there's also medicine in that. And then also these a cycle of mercy. I mean, what kind of uh, vital life force could that bring onto the planet if there was cycles of mercy happening all around us, circles of mercy and forgiveness, prayers for forgiveness, um, gatherings for forgiveness. Okay, we treat it as garnish, but it's the it's the it's the entree, the mercy and forgiveness. And then the next line is, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And we'll get to that. Okay, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. All right, so let's get back into it. Um, so I saw that in another person. The kindness in another person has been a medicine to help me get sober, to help me be a present father, to help me be a male teacher with integrity in the yoga and wellness field, and a long list of other qualities that I now embody that I may not have previously uh, done in my life. The mercy of another person inspired me to be merciful to others. Very important, especially male yoga people. If you're listening to this and you're a male yoga person... Don't date your students. No, stay clear of that. Um, and just be mindful of your sexual energy. You know, if you need support in that, reach out. That is something I've watched a lot of people fall, and I've had challenges myself in. And I think it's very important that there are there are men in the space of yoga and meditation and spirituality. Very important, but we got to learn to behave ourselves. Because our conditioning, our patterns, whether they're pre from previous lifetimes or from previous, uh, like the way we saw our parents or the way our society tells you a man is supposed to be, you may be working on that. I know I was. And then challenges will come up and you'll go with the programming instead of going with your inner knower, instead of going with the merciful, instead of going with the strong protector the holder of the container very very important are you hearing me okay i'm glad you're hearing me so now that i've uh, <laughs> shared my thoughts on that um we can move on but that's very important okay and, and i've watched people struggle with it uh, men struggle with it and you know when somebody opens themselves up to you, like as a, whether it's recovery or spirituality or um, yoga or whatever it might be, you know, you're doing readings for people, um, they become open and vulnerable with you. It's very, very important, muy importante, that you become a protector for that person, that you're not there to take from them, take advantage of them. Um, it's not a softness, you know, it's more of like a, the teacher and student relationship is like a like a father and fathers have done a poor job you know so many not all fathers if you're a great dad out there amazing but the role of the father the healthy uh, archetype of the father is to see the brilliance in the person even if they're broken uh, have been exploited have been taken advantage of um, are, feel threatened, don't feel safe, and that you provide that for them, 
right? You're not there to take or to have some kind of perverted relationship. No, you're going to dam damage that person even further. And that's not why we do this work. And I know it may be hard to hear that where you are. And, and I know that a lot of people who fall into that, like I said earlier, it's not your intent. You don't, you know, hopefully, I mean, I'm sure there are uh, people who go in with the intent to manipulate. But I think what happens is, is that you have the best of intentions and then somebody starts seeing your brilliance and, and you think, hey, I'm pretty special. <laughs> and then in your being special, some of your programming, your, your conditions start to come in and you have this intent to really serve this person. And then all of a sudden you go to this hero mentality, like I mentioned from the Erwin McManus talk, and then you're, you become uh, a, a, an individual who is going to harm this person unintentionally. And then when you're in it, you, we become so self-absorbed that we don't even realize that we're doing that. It's a tricky, tricky thing. And so a good basic structure is don't date your students, don't date your clients, don't have sexual relationships with them in any way. You know, just make it a policy, especially men, everybody, but especially men. You know, and if you're not able to do that, find another line of work. Because we need you to play the healthy role of the father, the healthy role of a teacher, the healthy role of somebody who's lifting up and elevating and not looking for weakness and exploiting it. We have had way too much of that. So, in order for mercy to really do its work, you know, be merciful. Be merciful, not manipulative. Um, and spiritual practice has played the, the major role for me, you know, in that recovery has played a major role in that for me. But mer without mercy, any kind of awakening would be impossible. Uh, mercy and forgiveness have shown me how to do better, right? And, and as I mentioned, it's about watching other people do it and go, Wow, that's amazing how how like you know somebody that person has really harmed them and they are forgiving them. Like, yes, you need healthy boundaries. I realize that. But sometimes, you know, forgiving even though they don't deserve it can create can produce some of the most potent medicine that you're ever gonna see on this planet. I'm serious. Because if you just become boundaries and building walls, I mean, where is that going? Okay. Um, the kindness of another person has been the ingredient in the medicine to help me get sober, to be a present father, to be a... Oh, yes, we've covered that. <laughs> I switched over to my computer because the internet here is a bit funky and um, it wasn't... The, the latest edit for the article wasn't here. So I've switched over to my computer and we'll just receive that as a message from uh, Creator message from the father, message from the mother guiding us to um, repeat that, right? It's through repetition that we learn. So that needed to be repeated. Uh, and we thank God for that uh, opportunity to continue to share that important message. And, and I want to be clear, like, I'm not sitting here on this podcast going like, oh, I'm perfect and I've done this. I'm sitting here going, wow, I've really screwed up a lot. And I've learned a lot from those lessons. I'm still working on it, but I've come a long way. And the biggest challenge is uh, being reactive. 
okay, impulsively and or subconsciously giving into the societal programming that says, I'm right and you're wrong. The logical, protective, self-indulgent reaction that refuses to give another person the benefit of the doubt or another chance because they've missed the mark before and now they don't deserve it and nor will they ever. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way before? Maybe you do now. If I learn to pause, here's the work that I do, right? It's Tiago Prem. What do you do? Like, what is it that you share? Yoga, meditation, and wisdom traditions. How that, how really diving into those aspects of life have supported me in my recovery and spirituality, which are synonymous terms. And, and so yoga, meditation, and wisdom traditions, like studying the Bible, Christianity, my relationship with Jesus, studying yoga, the philosophy of yoga, studying the Sikh faith and the Ten Gurus, studying the words of the Buddha, studying the wisdom of indigenous elders. Right? Wherever I can learn, studying the wisdom of the earth, wherever I can learn from wisdom traditions in my travels and in my explorations, my meditations and my commitment to yoga as a lifestyle, okay? If I look at all of those things, what one central tenet is that I'm learning to pause, to really step back from that initial impulsive reactive experience and go, okay, what's really going on here? And I learned to do that through meditation, through pranayama, breath awareness, through con contemplative spirituality, you know, read uh, a passage from the Bible or from the Guru Granth Sahib and go, what is this wisdom trying to tell me? How can I benefit from this, right? It's like eating food, not just because it tastes good, but eating food because it, it how it makes me feel. And with... Uh, the nourishment of wisdom, you got to chew on it, take your time with it, years with it. So learning to pause, I can see myself. I see myself and I can see the other person with more clarity, right? For it is in the pause that I can make a heartfelt conscious effort to see where the other person is coming from. I can seek common ground and a place to build a bridge of conscious communication. It is in the pause that I can really see myself. It is in the pause that I can really see myself in the other person. It dissolves any kind of separation. Then I experience what Guru Nanak called ek ankar, oneness, or we are engaged then. We're not engaged in a black versus white, us versus them. We're actually engaging in yoga right? Oneness. We're, we're yoking, we're joining what has already been joined throughout time beyond space. Ad such to God, such habi, such nanakosi be such. We are infinitely one always in birth, in life, even now and throughout eternity beyond time and space. But in order to know that, I have to practice it. And then by you know, creating a relationship with the pause, the gap between us or the otherness of a polarity planet, duality, uh, it can create an awakening where both sides are joined as one. The gap is dissolved and we have an experience of oneness, ekankar, yoga, God, call it what you want. 
Now, I know this all sounds lovely, <laughs> and participating in mercy can be hard. It requires humility, vulnerability, and trust, three things we could use more of on this planet. But when you hear me say that, can, can you see that that's the healing that we need? You know, because if we're like consuming, you know, the news from legacy media, uh, the behavior of corrupt governments, corrupt religious uh, authorities, um, and then we go out into the world in traffic or we go out into the world uh, in relationships with people who we don't see eye to eye with or, you know, we, we have all of our pain and our addictions and all of the things that are just weighing on us and we're not cultivating a daily routine that is going to create space so that we become aware of the pause so that we cultivate compassion we start to like see ourselves and the other person and we go well religion is corrupt so we don't want anything to do with that and you can't do these practices because you're from this place and you're not allowed to do that because you're this gender and we do all of this othering and and we just keep going into that reactivity and the world that we live in keeps going faster and faster and faster if we're not focused on that pause and engaging in a regular daily practice of metta, loving kindness, how can I forgive, how can I participate in mercy? And if that's a stretch for you right now, even just taking time to pause, like, can I notice my breath before I react? Can I notice how my emotions feel in my body before I respond to this? When I get a text that uh, is triggering for me, can I give it 72 hours before I respond, even though that might that person might go <laughs> bananas or whatever. That space and that mercy, when, when I hear my own voice <laughs> expressing that, I see like that is the most, if, if attention is the most sought after commodity during this time, which it is, you know, and how we can manipulate and control attention by, you know, false flags and the way that media is presented and, and we can, you know, like they say during this time, the ancient rishis said that truth will be what you can convince someone of during this time. So you want, you need someone's attention, full attention to manipulate their relationship to truth, right? So what do we do about that? Okay, so if the, the commodity, the highest priced commodity of this time is attention, how we can um, sort of like lessen the impact of that as a spiritual warfare a war on consciousness is by creating more space in our own lives and in creating the space begin a practice of compassion and mercy which is the heart of yoga which is exactly what jesus is talking about in the sermon on the mount and it is exactly why these wisdom traditions are as essential today as they were thousands of years ago maybe even more so because we're losing our connection to that. You with me? Okay, so that's, uh, that's what's going to bring us into what it means to be pure in heart. But before we get to that, let's take a little break. So I just wanted to take a moment and remind you about the Reveal Living Room. The Reveal Living Room is an online community. It's free to join. And I, I just post my daily musings in there and people can exchange what they're working on. Sometimes we have 40-day sadhanas and things that we do together as a community to explore these teachings. 
I think that this is going to be a great way for us to stay connected without, you know, placing so much of our attention in these big uh, corporate social media giants like Facebook and all of that. So if you love the work I do and you feel like we can, as a community, come together and really make a difference in the world and you would like support in that, please join the Reveal Living Room. Where you're listening to this right now, whether it's on Spotify or iTunes or YouTube or whatever it might be, you'll find the link in the show notes. It's very easy to join. It's free to join. You can have an app on your phone where you'll get updates from me and updates from the community. And it will just, you know, it won't be mindless scrolling. It will be heartful connection. So if that speaks to you, join the Reveal Living Room today and we'll see you on there. All right, so now we're getting into being pure in heart. And when you hear those words, pure in heart, what does that bring up for you? You know, when you hear the word pure, when it comes to spirituality or religious terms, sometimes it can be a little (laughs) triggering, right? But hear me out, you know, just like we did with Mercy. We'll get to the heart of this, and I think it'll, I don't think, I feel, I know, that it will inspire us in our work and in our personal missions and the way that we interrelate with each other. So blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When I hear the word pure personally, I'm reminded of Jesus calling us. I'm reminded of Jesus calling us to have the faith of a child, to be childlike. What does it mean to be childlike? Not childish, in that we refuse to forgive others or to share our hearts with others. Uh, and you can, you know, we, we just talked about that. <laughs> if you don't have any mercy and forgiveness in your heart, then you're probably being childish. This person did this to me. You can't tell me what to do, you know, all of that. Don't you know who I am? It's my toy, all of that sandbox behavior. So not that, but childlike When I hear childlike, I think to be filled with wonder. Have you ever gone outside and looked up at the stars with an eight-year-old and just listened to the way that, you know, they forgot about their iPad and they forgot about who's popular at school and they forgot about any kind of insecurity and they just look up into the stars and they say the most inspiring, magical things? I have, I do that here where I'm sitting now. And that's what I'm talking about. Okay? To look for the magic in life, to not be swayed or diminished. Your light, you know, hide your light under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. To not allow your light to be diminished by cynicism. And cynicism is a common thing for intellectuals, you know, like intellectual people, especially in the spiritual realm, they just like love to go around poking holes in, in people's magic. When we're filled with uh, wonder, our intentions are clear, kind, open. There's a willingness, an enthusiasm to explore. Our hearts are open because our minds are open. Right? You're looking up into the to the stars or into the ocean or to the, you know, the beauty of it all and looking for the wonder in life. And this has been challenging for me in spiritual pursuits, for sure, because I've learned techniques for healing on my journey uh, 
you know, whether they're yoga practices or meditations or knowledge-based practices like history or ancestral uh, practices or scriptural study, that kind of thing, uh, I've had this tendency to lose sight of why I do the practice in the first place, a tendency to become a gatekeeper, like in the time, Pharisees in the times of Jesus. You, you know the rules, you know the laws, you know the tradition so well that you lose the essence of why it became a tradition in the first place. You know, all of my time uh, studying Sikhi and pilgrimaging to India and studying yoga and studying Jesus and the Bible and, and um, you know, spending time with indigenous elders and having my teachers who are in their 70s and 80s and really committing my life to this practice, you know, I can get really good at following the rules, doing the postures because this is the way the teacher said um, proving or disproving the scriptures uh, and how you're supposed to do it. And if you're not doing it that way, then you're not as qualified as me. Or if you can't recite it in this way, or if you haven't been to this place, or if you're not of this, all this intellectual mumbo-jumbo is um, stifling. It's suffocating for wonder. Now, those structures can help. Structure is your friend in spirituality and in recovery. Um, but if it becomes too structured, too, it's too much gravity, it's too dense, and it will squish the life right out of the practice, right out of the... It will take the wonder right out of it. You know, like, wah, hey, guru, or hallelujah. When that is, those words are spoken with a sense of wonder, like, then you're at the essence of it, like the magic of it all, the interconnectedness of it all, the grace of God, the mercy and the forgiveness, the beauty of life, even in death and pain, you know, that kind of whew, whew, just gives you goosebumps thinking about it. You just want to sing about it and shout about it and praise and, you know, and, and then, you know, there are moments when you're not in that space. And so maybe learning something will, will get you to that place, having a teacher, studying some scriptures, uh, waking up early, like applying some tapas and discipline and sweat and all of those things. But it's easy to, like I said at the start, it's easy to take our mind off of, why am I doing this? Because I want to be happy and free, and I want that for everybody. I want everyone to be liberated from their pain and suffering to the best of you know, their ability. May they be free. May they be in the wonder and the magic of life. And may I inspire that by healing myself and my relationship to Guru and my relationship to, to Jesus and my relationship to sound and my relationship to practice and my lineage and my family and my children and, and food and the earth and all of this wonderful, uh, filled with wonder aspects of my life. I want that for everyone. And <laughs> there are times when I'm going to feel disconnected from that. And some structure will act as a means to reconnect. But be very careful because we can be, the ego is tricky, like the devil, the ego is tricky and can make us think, oh, okay, I'm doing all of the things. But if we lose the love and we lose the wonder, we become a gatekeeper of you must do it this way and if you don't and then, na, 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 and then the magic. And it doesn't actually go. God is always there, but we, we are keeping ourselves and others from it by doing a good job. Does that make sense? 
So that's taking away the purity in heart and, and moves more into the rightness of the head, uh, the ego trip. Okay? To be pure in heart is to stay connected to the wonder, to the essence of the practice, to the sweetness of love, to know that you are the beloved of God. And rejoining with that through yoga, the actual rejoining with that is the yoga, you know, whether it's through bhakti practice, devotional, praise and worship music, uh, listening to Gurbani, um, you know, or whether it's through seva, feeding people, doing act, acts of kindness, standing up for the earth, or whether it's through uh, physical uh, practice, you know, taking action and, and tapas. It says in the Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, tapas, swadhyaya, ishvara, pranidhana, kriya, yoga. This is how, we're, how the, the joining to the wonder works. It requires a little bit of discipline, you know, like, oh, I don't feel like doing my yoga. Okay, well, if I get my back a little straighter and I stretch and twist and I work on some of the things and open my hamstrings and really, you know, show up and do my practice because I said I was going to even when I don't feel like it or read my Bible or read, be with the guru or read the Guru Granth Sahib or study the, whatever it is, like applying a little bit of discipline is necessary, okay? But not being so disciplined that you lose the wonder, why you're doing it, the why. Stay connected to the why in yoga. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, swadhyaya is the study. Always be learning. The word sikh means student, right? Or disciple. You know, I'm a disciple of the teachings of Jesus. I'm a disciple of my guru, uh, Sri Dharma Mitra. I'm a disciple of love. Love is my religion. You know, I'm a disciple of the earth, the mother. Okay. Study. What does it mean? Be a student of love. I mean, love is at the essence of all of those forms. You know, the form of Guru Nanak, the form of the Guru Granth Sahib, the form of Jesus, the form of my teacher, uh, Sri Dharma Mitra, the form of my daughter. My, but what's under the form? Love. How do I return to love? That's my name, Tiaga Prem. How do I return to love? If I can't put love in it, I leave it. Every time I say Tiaga Prem, I'm reminded of that being my mission. How do we return to love? Ah, such a blessing to hear that name and to be able to express that to friends and family and new people, students and teachers that I meet along the journey. Right? So tapas, discipline, structure, swadhyaya, always a student always a student for the sake of wonder, to be educated, to learn something new about myself and the world. Ishvara Pranidhana, surrender to God. I'm a constantly surrendering. My ego is saying, I know better, and then I'm, oh, I'm back at my beloved's feet. I'm sorry, I got lost again. I'm back, thank you. Uh, my teacher, Dharma, he always says, this is the most important prayer. Forgive me for forgetting you. Powerful, right? Ishvara Pranidhana. Dis tapas, discipline, structure, swadhyaya, study, always a student, you know, for the essence of wonder and love. Tap, uh, Ishvara Pranidhana, surrender to God, Kriya Yoga. That's how yoga works. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you love the show, rate us, review us, share us with your friends. And um, please do join the living room. Please do go to tiagaprem.com. And if you are looking to practicing with me, you'll find me in San Pancho, Mexico. And there are great ways to do that in local studios coming soon, trainings and retreats coming soon. Stay tuned. Keep listening to Revealing the Diamond. And I'll see you next week. Love you. Thank you.